Welcome to the Flow State Performance Podcast. Created for those committed to mastery and success. Coming to you from Manly, Australia, we break down the science and philosophy of optimal performance so you can unleash your potential. Welcome to the Flow State Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Jero Taylor, and this is the podcast where you get to hear interesting stories and lessons, techniques, and strategies from people who live in peak performance and experience flow and freedom in their lives. Today, I'm speaking to a guy who very much embodies a lifestyle of freedom and flow. His name's Justin Alexander, and he uh, retired from the life of working nine till five at the age of 32 and has since been living a life of exploration where he travels around the world with all his possessions in just a backpack and he's got a motorbike he's been traveling around North America he's also spent time in South America and in Asia and he is an expert in outdoor survival so he often um, just finds himself in situations where it's just him and his outdoor survival skills and it's a very fascinating chat where I talk to him about the power of myths and mythology in our lives Um, the power of having mentors, his journey from being an entrepreneur to living this life of uh, living wild and free. He's um, been very influenced by Native American culture, but also we get into a discussion about Japanese culture and the samurai and ninjas. And um, stepping back in time, he, he talks about when he goes to nature, how he feels, and when he hangs out with these indigenous tribes, sometimes he feels like he's stepping back in time. He feels like he's time traveling. And we're going to get into this idea and this, uh, this philosophy of journeying through life with passionate curiosity. So tune in, guys, to this show if you want to hear lessons from a true adventurer, a true nomad um, who really lives a life of exploration. I'm here today with Justin Alexander, who... Um, I guess he's a difficult man to describe using, using labels, and we'll get into that topic. But uh, Justin's probably well known for, for being an international traveler, uh, nomad, someone who um, experienced uh, quite a bit of success as, a, as an entrepreneur in a former life and turned his back on that deliberately and has spent the last few years traveling and exploring far-flung cultures and, and ways of living. Uh, welcome to the show, Justin. Uh, thanks for having me, Gerald. Cool, man. How did I do on my introduction? Did it did it come? Close? <laughs> I um, it was close. <laughs> it was close. Okay, cool. Good, well, how it was, pretty, uh, it was pretty flattering. It's pretty, pretty flattering. flattering. Pretty fl- yeah, they um, always are. Hey, how, and, how would you describe yourself? Yeah. <laughs> well, um, yeah, a little bit um with the whole you know the success. I don't think it was like it, it's not the typical, you know. I worked for the man my whole life, and then I just decided that. Uh, you know, that this wasn't the thing for me and I was going to go do something totally different. It's like, I've always kind of been the way that I am now. And, uh, and doing the entrepreneur thing was kind of a phase and a stepping stone to have the freedom that I, that I, you know, that I currently enjoy. So it's a little bit of a different narrative. Um, but yeah, but uh, pretty much, pretty much right on. (laughs) Cool, man. I want, I want to start right back, um, in, in terms of your life, just so people understand, a little bit more. Um, I was reading, um, I can't remember where, maybe one of the other interviews that you did, um, where you were talking about, or maybe it was a Facebook thread, but we were talking about this uh, alternative education that you had. I think it was in your teenage oh, yeah, yeah. years. Um, so tell yeah. us about that. Um, so uh, let's see, I, I, I dropped out of high school after my sophomore year in high school, 
Um, so when I was, I guess I was 15 or 16 and, um, I ended up moving out of my house, uh, with my, with my mom and stepfather in Oregon, um, and, uh, went up to Washington. There was a school called the wilderness awareness school, and they had an alternative education program, um, for high school students. And it was all nature-based training, um, naturalist skills, animal tracking, uh, you know, we, we worked in a lot of survival skills. So, you know, each day of the week had a different topic. One day would be working on survival skills. One day would be working, you know, uh, edible plants or wandering. Um, and it was all, all kind of passion based learning. Um, you know, so there were some days where it's raining and it's cold. We basically, uh, the school was like this gazebo that we, that I helped build, um, out in, out in the middle of the forest. And, uh, I used to walk to school barefoot and in a t-shirt and long pants and even in the winter up there when it's raining and I was always trying to harden myself and become like, uh, you know, someone that could, that could just disappear into the woods and, and, and live like the animals. So that's, that's what I spent, uh, that's what I did instead of high school. Um, how did that and, come uh, to you? Did, was that always, <laughs> when you were a child, were you always running around in oh, the woods and being well, wild? Well, yeah, but I started around, that started like when I was around probably nine or 10 and I think, uh, I don't know what the original route was, but I've always had a real um, fascination with Native American culture, mm. and uh, it probably had to do with a few books and movies that I saw as a kid. But uh, um, and also and also the Jungle Book, like Mowgli, oh, you know, man. like this this whole you know, like th- those were both really cool things for me. Like I wanted to be like Mowgli, and Dude, I and think then for um, me, Last of the Mohicans, Dance of the Wolves, and oh, Jungle Book oh, are like transformative for me. Totally, totally. I just watched uh last of the mohicans with a good friend of mine and like walked them through the whole thing and like and showing how different scenes in his character as hawkeye it like influenced who i am now and like oh, there's a, there's a couple major influences but like uh there are there are other movies and other books and, and kind of heroic characters that i think have really shaped hawkeye is a huge one mm. yeah That's fascinating love that hear. movie cool man so yeah. yeah so i was i was living in south carolina when that movie came out and uh uh, I think I was in eighth grade. And so basically after school, I would go out into the woods and, uh, and like try and build, um, like wiki ups the way that the, the Cherokee and the and the native tribes that lived around there build shelters the way that they did based on the books that I could find, you know? And then, um, you know, I, uh, uh, let's see, I don't want to go too deep in the story. I could just talk, tell this story for a long time, but, um, ended up getting into some wilderness survival skills and stuff like that. And, and through that, I was connect, able to connect to the wilderness awareness school because I was in South Carolina. Then I ended up living in Montana for a while and then to Oregon. And then from there I, uh, attended my first wilderness survival course when I was probably 14 or 15. Yeah. And, um, and then I couldn't really afford classes, but I was so passionate and done so much self-study. Like I had figured out how to start or I, I had, figured out the bow drill and started fires by rubbing sticks together on my own, which is like pretty tough to do when you're a kid. Yeah. Um, it's, it's now like one of my favorite things, you know, being able to start a fire by, uh, by friction is, is, how, is how, real. It's, how quickly it's, it's can alchemy. you start a fire if you have the right tools? <laughs> um, if like, if I have the, the stuff made already or <laughs> yeah. if I just walk into the bush? Well, first of all, if you have the stuff already and it's all dry, how, uh, how I've been able to do it in 15 seconds. No way. No way. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You get a really good set. You get like a yucca fireboard and like a horsetail, um, um, stock, you know, real dried in the deserts. It's pretty easy. Um, in, in jungles, it's, it's pretty easy if you've got bamboo and stuff like that. Um, 
But anyway, what was I talking about? Yeah, so just, just we're just rambling, <laughs> but you're talking about this wilderness survival school. So, so what, uh, yes. what age were you when you got there? Um, so yeah, so at first I started taking classes in Portland with this uh, with uh, my first kind of wilderness uh, survival training mentor, and I and I worked with her for a long time, and then um, she introduced me to this guy John Young, who who ran Wilderness Awareness School, and he saw all these mounds of journals that I had filled up and all this study and work I had done and all my tracking journals. And, and he was like, wow, man, you're really passionate. There's this thing going on up here. If you can give it to your mom to let you drop out of high school, you're totally welcome to come up there and, uh, I'll make sure that we can find a place for you to stay. So turns out they couldn't find a place for me to stay. So I ended up living with him, which was awesome because he's like kind of, it's kind of like an adopted family and, and also a hero of mine. Yeah. So Wow. So you're anyway, with the that, that was my teen years. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. <laughs> in some ways, in some ways it's awesome. In other ways, it's kind of nice to have space from your gurus, you know? Oh, for sure, man. I can imagine. <laughs> so, wow. So, so by the age, but by the time you, what, you were 19, you had pretty much studied like a few years of wilderness survival. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, also it, it was a bunch of teenage kids in the woods. So it wasn't like I was going to classes learning wilderness survival. A lot of days were it, it's, it's more like I just became very, very comfortable in the woods and having wilderness survival skills is, is like a part of that. Right. You know, um, it's cool to be able to, it, it's a really freeing feeling to be able to walk into the forest with a knife when it's raining and in an hour have a fire started, you know, like, mm. And what about food yeah. sources and foraging and hunting? Did you oh, learn yeah. that stuff? Yeah, well, the big thing as far as there's a lot of naturalist education. So um, we had to learn the 50 most common edible plants of our bioregion, the 50 most common trees and their uses, which ones made good bows. We had to you know, journal all this stuff. That was the ac- kind of the academic portion of, of what I did. So, yeah, so we learned all we knew all the edible plants. And, you know, that's bioregion specific. You know, so mm. if we're talking Washington, I'm talking Western Washington, um, which is going to be very different than once you get over the Cascades, you get into desert and it's completely different climate, a lot of very different plants. So mm. edible. So, yeah, so we learned all the edibles, then, you know, make traps, go fishing, you know, may, uh, work on bows and arrows. If we would find uh, sometimes uh, people would bring a roadkill to school, mm. you know, if there was a roadkill deer, they'd bring it and then we'd practice uh you know then we'd uh, go through the process of skinning how to process the meat sometimes we'd cook it and eat it usually we would and then um and then you use the hide to uh to make a uh, buckskin brain tanning the hides you know using the brains of the animal and make bones from uh tools from the bones making arrowheads all of that stuff so wow. you know we learned it the way that we learned it the way that i kind of believe that native people have always learned it just, just by like it's kind of casually happening and people are learning and people who know are teaching the people who don't. And then eventually the people who don't, once they know they're able to teach others and there's a whole mentorship community. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty cool, man. I, I man, definitely feel, awesome. definitely feel blessed. Yeah, for sure. So talk to me about who you were as a, as a 19 year old or 20 year old and you're just, just coming into your adulthood. Like what did you, yeah. who, who, what well, did you want to be? There was a, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I kind of, I think I was, to be honest, I, I think I was probably planning to become a hermit or something. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um, but, uh, yeah, I didn't really have a plan for the future. I was just going to get better and better and learn more skills and 
become, you know, more and more like the heroes of my youth um, and keep training. But I ended up getting into a car accident with a semi truck and broke my back. And that was like right around that transition, becoming a adult kind of thing. I was uh, 19. Uh, and um, after that, I was I couldn't do any outdoor activities, really. I couldn't do a whole lot of activities for a while. And, um, so I, I kind of had to think, well, I, I, I can't even sleep on the ground because my back hurts so much. I have to sleep on beds with nice soft pillows. So I thought that this stuff was kind of done. Um, yeah. And I just kind of went into a world that uh, was kind of unfamiliar, like an adult work, working world from, you know, from that, uh, and spent most of my twenties, all of my twenties, I guess doing that. Well, actually, you know, after I healed from the accident, I moved back to New Jersey uh, I did teach one more survival uh, courses over the summer, and um, and then right after that, I was uh, I didn't have I didn't have a job. I had a car, and um, and then so I parked the car in the Pine Barrens, which is like the the woods of New Jersey, and then I would uh, just live out there in the what we had the primitive camp where all they taught all the survival classes, and then I'd take the train up to New York and go visit all the museums, and I'd sleep in Central Park, and I was homeless in New York for a couple weeks. Really? Um, yeah. So that that was like. <laughs> I was like what I was doing when I was 20. Wow. What did your uh, what's what's been the influence of your of your parents or your family in terms of the destiny your 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 life path for example? Uh they're amazing. They're uh really really supportive of me doing um what makes me happier. You know, they're my my dad's really big Joseph Campbell guy and you know, I I grew up with the follow your bliss and all of the kind of mythology and stuff. Um so of course of course, he's really, really supportive, and they're both really proud of me. Um, wow, that's awesome to hear, uh, man. That's yeah, awesome to hear. I mean, I always tell my mom, I'm like, "Well, look, you you thought uh, you thought if I dropped out of high school, I was going to end up homeless," and I'm like, "And look where I am now, homeless." <laughs> <laughs> homeless, but able to survive. <laughs> yeah, able to survive. Yeah. So, but you know what? Like those those skills, those survival skills, and all that stuff, like really, really helped me the way I travel nowadays it, it helps me in a lot of ways that that i'm just realizing now like it's not a big deal for me to climb up on top of a 7-eleven and sleep on a roof if i need to like be a ninja and sleep in a, in a town somewhere because that's so much more comfortable than like digging a hole in the ground and filling it with wet leaves and sleeping in that in a survival situation you know and like I i've it. done that's a true story I've done a, you've, you've climbed on top is. of 7-eleven oh yeah i do it all the time <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Or, or whatever buildings, you know. Yeah. On top of hotels is good because if you go into the lobby, you can get the Wi-Fi password, and then you can go <laughs> up and lay up on the rooftop and steal their Wi-Fi and like check your Facebook while you're sleeping on while you're ninja camping on a roof. Do you take like a Do you take like a top or or a covering or what do you? Oh uh, well, uh, I only I only sleep out under the stars if it's not going to be raining. If it's raining, then I'm going to find a covered place. Yeah. You know, or set up because I've got a I, I travel with a a little camping hammock. And it's got a rain fly, so I can just I can just post that up as a little uh, rain rain cover. Man, that's awesome. To. So, what do you think about the traditional life of buying a house, getting a job, working until you're fifty or sixty or something, and uh, just slowly paying off your debt? And it sounds horrible to me, but uh, I know some. It's just about values, though, right? You know, it's like it's not that that's right or wrong. I just. Uh, that sounds really miserable to me. And, um, it is like the default 
And it sucks if people end up with the default without thinking about it. And then that's not what they wanted. You know, that's sad. Um, did you ever feel like your like anything in your life was steering you in that direction, or were you, or was that never uh, even an option for you? I never, I, yeah, I never had the dream of being like uh, really successful, having a bunch of money, um, and I'm trying to, yeah. There's, a, I never, I was, I never had that. Yeah, I never, never really identified with that, and that's what you know when I was in school and stuff, and always bouncing around, and moving around. I was very solo loner spent a lot of my time in the woods yeah. and um I, I didn't that's why i didn't want to do high school because i didn't want to do what everyone else is doing because i didn't want what they got i was like this is a waste of my time i'm getting great grades look mom i'm not dumb like this is not why i'm quitting it's, yeah. i'm quitting because yeah. this is not me this isn't authentic and it's killing me man it sucks because i know what else i can be doing and you know she 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 was hard to convince yeah, I bet. Yeah. And your dad was like, he, all, he was like, my, no dad, my dad was like, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Wow, that's <laughs> awesome. So yeah. what is what do you think? I often think about programming and conditioning and the fact that as as human beings, as wild beings, we are um, conditionable according to our environment. Um, so obviously, yeah. if, if you live, if you live a wild and a wild existence and you live in nature, then you're conditioned by the changing seasons and by the foliage and fauna that's in your environment that'll change your behavior um, and obviously if you live in this this sort of suburban existence where you're paying off your mortgage and you're watching some shitty reality tv show th your whole life you're conditioned by that sort of thing um, so what do you think about how you've been conditioned by the environment or the upbringing that you had well okay um yeah i think about this a lot um I think a, 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 few, a few things in my environment and condition probably led me to be who I am, if that's kind of what you're asking, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think that moving around a lot plays a role because um, I, I don't really have any – no place I've ever lived sounds like home to me. Um, uh, so, so there's that, and I think that's like a pretty basic one that's kind of foundation. Also um, – also, I would say the the environment that I that I that I sought out myself, you know, it was through books and through movies that I was able to kind of create the world that I wanted to live in. Yeah. You know. Um, what about people? Um, well, like uh, mentors and stuff have come into my life at different points. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. You know, uh, in my teens. In my teens, definitely, you know, the first uh, the first survival school that I worked for, she took me on because I couldn't afford classes. So she would let me, you know, do yard work in exchange for classes and, and then, you know, would make me teach uh, would make me teach something at each class. So she was like, you know, making me learn even further. So I was able to actually teach skills as a teen. You know, yeah, um, she was a big one. And then John Young that I lived with right afterwards, um, you know, and became like a father figure. Um, and then there's been a lot of, uh, but I have to say, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of people that I've looked up to, but most of the, most of the influences in my life have been mythological. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's stories, huh. you know, every, really everyone, everyone has heroes when they're kids, right? Yeah. You know, it could be a doctor, right? Your dream is to be a doctor and that's awesome. A doctor for that reason. 
you know, and they want to be a tennis player or something. Mm. That's sad, but um, but everyone has you know dreams of uh, or, or you know, I like the idea of creating a, an amalgamation of all of your heroes and like the best qualities of this, that, and then striving to be that. And that's kind of like how I'm living my life. Okay, so just to recap there, so you like the idea of cre- creating a, an amalgamation of all your heroes, drawing from mythology, and using that as a compass for your life. Yeah, yeah, or like, well, like what would that person do? Yeah. You know, in this situation, and then do that, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's not necessarily just mythology. I'm not talking about just Joseph Campbell kind of stuff. It could be books that you read, you know, or it could be a childhood hero that was a real person. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's fine. But uh, but you know, my heroes are you know like guys like Hawkeye or people you know from movies um, uh, or from books and stuff like that. You know, these 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 stories of these ninja. Mm. You know, like like that played a huge you know influence. Or uh, that sorry, that played a, a huge. Uh, role in kind of influencing who I am. Oh, I'm, I'm just the same, man. When I spent my two years uh, living in Japan, I was 20, 22, 23, 24, and um, I studied so much about the samurai and the ninja and Bushido, the, the code of honor that they live by, and yeah. it just fascinated me, like this different kind of existence, different way of living, their, their whole take on life and death. Yeah, this, the, the, that whole thing is very interesting, like the samurai and then the, the ninja, which is so different, mm. right? You know, and, uh, it, you know, it's interesting. Um, I was told recently that the whole idea of the honor culture, you know, which is so huge in Japan, it's like that's what it is, that uh, everyone uh, saving face is so important and all that. Apparently, uh, someone told me that the honor culture started um, – because once uh, samurai were able to, once they became very successful, they were they were able to be paid more money and they could buy their own freedom and go rogue. So the only way that Shogun could keep them was to install this intense sense of duty and honor and never leave. Because otherwise they would just leave, like they could get a better situation. So it was basically, they were like guilting these guys into, into uh, you know, not not moving on to better opportunities or something like that. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> That's fascinating. But how, but how, I don't know if this. Is, I don't know if it's true. It's something someone told me, and I don't. I didn't research it. But oh, I would not be surprised. That, uh, though. And then, yeah, that because... makes a lot of sense. And then when you see it, when you see that behavior displayed so strongly in people, you know, I've been in Japan a few times. Um, it's like interesting because they just do it. They just well, do it because that's that's all they know. Yeah, you know? I, fa- I found Japan. Uh, very confronting to, to live in. Like ob- obviously for the first couple of years, you're so swept away by the amazing food and you go to karaoke all the time and the culture's awesome and you're learning the language. Oh, and, uh, and it's just a fascinating place. A lot of people don't realize how much raw wilderness there is in Japan as well. But I found it confronting because there is this honor culture and there is this um, obsequience, like this kind of bowing down to the group um, mm. And putting your putting your own interests um, on the back burner relative to the interests oh. of the group, and yeah. I found that like really really difficult to stomach because I what I saw it manifested as was a, was a lack of individuality and a whole load of repressed people, like yeah, massively repressed. Yep. <laughs> and it was yeah, and and you and you, and you wonder why uh, you wonder why. Uh, at business meetings, uh, the boss takes everyone 
everyone just gets totally shit-faced every time they go out. It's like a huge part of business in Japan is going out and drinking. You have to drink with your boss and you have to like always go shot for shot with your boss. And you got these like salary men that are just slaying themselves and they work all day and then they have to go out and show face with their boss and they have to get drunk with their boss and they have to go home and sleep. And you see these guys on the, you know, on the, on the transit, on the subways there. And um, they're sleeping because yeah. it's the only place they can sleep. And it's oh, kind of sad. And then, and then they get to their office on a Monday morning and they've just had like the wildest Friday night out, out with all their <laughs> colleagues, right? And they've been dancing on the table, singing the Beatles at the karaoke joint and uh, doing like vodka shots or sake shots. And then when they get to the office on Monday, they're so bound by this code of honor that, totally. they, that they cannot speak a word of it. I know, it's weird. <laughs> I think it's fascinating. Oh, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but it's so weird as well because when you yeah. when you um, it it really goes back to what you're talking about in terms of this artificially uh, implied honor culture. Um, that's what it all. Yeah, I I can really understand that it was artificially brought about um, as a means of of control because the way it yeah, is yeah. right now, these companies, these bosses have the the whole Japan setup is that people have a huge loyalty. Um, and often I think it's at the expense of individual expression and freedom. Yeah, I think that's philosophically right on. And that's like a very core fundamental thing. Yeah. And that's why when you meet these Japanese people who are living in the States or Australia or wherever, quite often they're quite radical human beings. And because they've had they, to rebel. Yeah, they broke time, out. Yeah, to get out of the country. You know, yeah. there's a Japanese expression which is like the, the, the nail that sticks out will be hammered down. And <laughs> when you meet these, uh, when you, often I've met Japanese people living uh, on, you know, I've met them on my travels and they'll be like, like a hardcore Rastafarian or something. <laughs> you know? Yeah, wow, wow. <laughs> and they're just like, wow, I get yeah. it. You just had to go so far the other way uh, to get out of Japan. It's fascinating. So, Justin, talk to me about... Um, the, you, when you've been living in the wilderness, I, I'm just fascinated by this, I, this idea. I think there's a dude called Daniel Vitalis who's talking a lot about rewilding. Oh, yeah, 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 uh, yeah, I know him. Oh, you know him? Cool. Yeah. Um, and I'm fascinated by this idea myself. I go, you know, camping a lot. I want to become a lot more competent in, in, in the wilderness. But I think that when I think about flow states, I, can, I, I, I simplify it very much to that is our intuition or our instincts. It's just... You know, when we're in flow, it's almost just like the default state that we would be in if we were living wildly, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I mean, the difference between uh, between someone who grew up in the wilderness and someone who's never gone camping before, it, that's that's not going to be your experience. If you're if you know oh. if you're out there, it's not going to feel it's not going to feel natural. No, not at all. Yeah, all. yeah, it's. But what what about for you? Like because you obviously flip between civilization. Like you're hanging out in LA every now and then, or yeah, and then you go into the wilderness. Talk to me about your uh, alternating states of mind or states of being, or the, the confrontations that you face. Yeah. Well, um, let's see. I think let's see how I want to start this. Um, I really I, I I want to experience the. F- full range of, uh, I guess, possibility. So like, I really appreciate cities for what they are. 
Um, and I don't hate civilization or mankind or any of this stuff. I like, um, you know, like a sociopathic naturalist. I just want to live in the woods and be a hermit. I'm not like that at all. Um, but, uh, I, I think I, I get something from when I'm around people and around cities and civilization that I really love and I need, um, and human interaction and friends and all of that stuff. I think it's really important. Uh, on the other hand, uh, sometimes it's, uh, it's the most spiritual thing, in my opinion. Well, one of them um, is to spend some real time alone in uh, in some really beautiful wilderness and uh, have a lot of just quiet time. And so, so for me, that's kind of a spirituality, I guess. So it's uh, it, it's not like I I will sit up in a city and then go off on little trips. I'm usually just kind of like at least on the bike. I've just been kind of wandering around through the U.S., mostly through the western states and. And when I pass through a city, I'll, you know, check in, I'll eat a bunch of food and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm not like on the motorcycle trip, I'm not going off into the wilderness for two months into the middle of Alaska. You know, I'm like riding up into the uh, wilderness areas in Idaho and I'll be, you know, away from people for three, four, five days at a time. Mm. Um, Go off, you know, hiking, do some fishing, uh, just a lot of just wandering around and exploring, um, exploring logging roads and stuff like that, taking a bunch of pictures. And it's just a... It's a, it's like a meditative, poetic life. Mm. What does that word? You know, what does that word "spiritual" mean to you? Like, how how would you define yeah. it? I don't know, man. It's like it's like it's like God. Spiritual means so many things. It's I, I I don't really like to use it that much, but it's the only it's the only word that I can find that I think has the feeling that I'm going for. I know exactly <laughs> that makes what you mean. Sense. Yeah. 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 And you don't even need so. to take it any further than that. It's just it's just a word for that thing. <laughs> yeah that that thing that often so so you connect with when you're when you're in nature so do yeah you, so, so okay so that's that's interesting so the city for you there's something that nourishes you about city and and people and yeah and i like and i and i really do i mean i even love uh, and when i'm in the city i like to st- i still go off and have adventures and climb buildings and you know go find really cool spots and all, like when I'll hang out with really people that I find very interesting, um, tell lots of stories, listen to lots of stories, like get drunk with people, you know, like just have a wonderful time, socialize. Mm. And uh, I, I really I love that. And, you know, the more places I go around the world and the more men, uh, the more friends I make in different countries, like it's a uh, it's a very, very fulfilling to me. You know, I, I love it. It's the, the thing I love most about travel. It sounds very fulfilling. So, yeah. so, so basically, just to paint the picture for the for the viewers, so, so the listeners, you've got no fixed address. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't live anywhere. I don't have anything. Yeah. And you, just my backpack and my motorcycle. Okay, your backpack and your motorcycle, and um, this has been your existence for the last few years. Well, the the motor I've been on the motorcycle for the last nine months, um, and I started tra- traveling in two thousand six. Um, and I, as soon as I traveled to Nepal for the summer, I realized that that's what I wanted to do more than anything. And so it was basically 2006 to 2000 uh, to whatever, 13, whenever I started doing this full time. And I was going back to uh, for like five years, I was going back to Thailand. Uh, I was kickboxing over there and stuff. And, you know, I have an adopted family over there. I became a monk for a while. Um that that was all happening. So I still was traveling since about 2006, but but I had a home, um, 
Mm. It's very it's it's very different though. Now it's very different the last few years. It's it's cool. I really like it much more. So what what have you learned from your time spent living with indigenous cultures or alternate cultures? I know you spent times in the Mentawai Islands in Indonesia, you spent time in Thailand. I know you spent a bunch of time in South America. Are there any uh, things that pop to mind in terms of things that you've learned that just are not in our culture? Oh man. Uh, that one might require a lot more thought. Um, <laughs> yeah, no worries. Uh, like here, like what specific takeaways? Um, okay, like just perspective. I'm interested in, in the different perspectives. Like when I've, when I've spent time with um, original people in different cultures, I'm struck by how little they need. Um, or oh, I'm, I'm yeah. struck by how they can... Like when I was in Papua New Guinea, I was observing people um, just sitting for hours and hours and hours and hours underneath a tree. Um, just like, just like when you see like wild herds of like lions yeah. or something, just sitting under a tree. Yep. Yeah, because <laughs> we are we are animals, and they're just being real. <laughs> yeah, they're just being real. But the whole concept of time and busyness is just completely not there. Um, yeah, which I um, find cool. Yeah, well, that those, those are all certainly true, and, and those have probably all been pointed out. I think for me, um, I I really really like. Um, spending time with indigenous cultures and people that are kind of when you're with them, you're stepping back in time in a way, you know, Yeah. you know, they're they're. I like to go to places and be around people where I feel like I'm time traveling. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, um, you know, some, sometimes it's a little bit difficult because you, they can't speak English and you don't have a translator, you know, so you just end up getting, um, getting really good at, as you know, you know, uh, body, body language. And just like, you end up getting really good at just reading the emotional vibe. You can tell what, co- what people are saying, the co- how, what conversations are happening without knowing any of the words, you know? And yeah. then she just kind of like, but, uh, you know, so I haven't had in-depth philosophical conversations with, um, you know, mental white elders because the translator I had was very, very, very basic. So we couldn't even, you know, get into in-depth conversations, but, um, I just love to be around them and um, copy what they do because it for me it's a it's it's normal you know because I grew up in doing that kind of stuff so mm. from and and when I'm when I'm with people like that they're like looking at me like well he moves through the forest differently and like he just climbed a coconut tree like what you know um, <laughs> like who is this guy right <laughs> so it, you know then we all sit end up sitting around and smoking cigarettes out in the jungle together <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh, it's like oh well, this isn't a tourist <laughs> yeah 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 that's awesome I saw uh, I saw one picture where you're dressed up like a Mentawai tribesman oh <laughs> yeah so yeah classic man. <laughs> So, yeah, I feel I feel so cheesy posing for those pictures. Yeah, oh, knowing you, <laughs> but, a little but it's bit, cool I, to have, man. It's a cool picture. <laughs> yeah, man, it's, it is cool to have. It is cool to have. So, um, just talk to me about uh, ayahuasca. I, I I I saw that you 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 did some plant medicine work down in Peru. Um, uh, did you, yeah, did you in, in Brazil. Yeah. Oh, in Brazil. Okay. Did you? Was that your intention of going down there? Or was it something that just came up? Um, so my first experiences with ayahuasca when I, I, I think I was 14 or maybe 15. Um, and I had, I, so I had, uh, maybe had 10 ish ayahuasca journeys between then and I guess 32 or 33 when I was down there. 
in South America. But I did go down there because I had never been a part of any kind of ceremony or with any shaman. And I wanted to see the difference mm. because I just had my very personal experience with the, you know, the medicine yeah. or the you know, ayahuasca. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was, it was, uh, it was great. It was a gathering of shaman. Um, I guess every two years, shaman from a, a bunch of different parts of South and Central America come together and they all kind of co lead ceremonies, uh, you know, each, each night, sometimes, uh, one night it'll be, uh, Kishinawa, Hunikun, um, people from the Amazon, you know, these really short indigenous people with the tall macaw headdresses and they'll have a very different ayahuasca ceremony than, um, than, uh, you know, like the, um, the, the Colombian ayahuasca yeah, yeah. Very, very different. Oh, so you went to and some so, special thing, which was like a convergence. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Is that like an so, annual um, event? Uh, I think it might be semi-annual. It's called the Eagle Condor. Oh, um, yeah. Or, con or, con or Condor thing. Eagle. It's in, um, um, uh, near Brasilia, Alto Paradiso, in the middle of Brazil. Oh. So anyway, I was there for, I was there for, Three, there was the, the, it was three weeks and I did 14 ceremonies in three weeks. Those are, they're all night ceremonies, you know, like sunset to sunrise. And, um, it was definitely, um, a different experience, you know, being around people and having it be kind of led and having these shaman deal with you individually, you know, and, and do these, you know, uh, spirit cleansing things with feathers and stuff. It's all very, you know, it's like the whole thing is the energy is very different, um, uh, so, you know, then, then lying, you know, lying in my bed in the, in the room by myself at night, you know, drinking ayahuasca is going to be a very different thing, you know? Absolutely. So it, it was great. It was, uh, I had a lot of really good realizations as I usually do. Um, it's not something that I do very often. And, um, mm -hmm. I, sometimes I f feel like I just need to check in with something. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I feel that, and that's a, that's a good way to do that, and like kind of get rid of all the the bullshit filters in my life, and kind of see mm -hmm. things as they are for a little bit, and then uh, what are the bullshit? What are those bullshit make, filters, make Justin? Questions. Like, what are you, what are you afraid of? Because I say um, that, like, you know, we've all got fears, right? I'm just sorry. It's a bit of bit of an aggressive yeah, question. Has, what are you scared it has, of? It has well, no, no, it has more to do with limiting self beliefs. You know, it's not so much like conquering my fears or something like that. Like some, that's some of the, the hardest stuff to work with, yeah. you know, and like how you are as a person and how you treat other people. And like a lot of my experience down in South America, I was like going through some real like heavy feelings of, uh, say guilt or shame, you know, like anytime I'd ever said, said a mean thing to a person or I had hurt an ex-girlfriend, you know, had become really present and the sense of empathy was really overwhelming. And it, that's beautiful, mm -hmm. you know? to, to be shown, uh, to be shown, you know, what, what you've done in a way that you can like, uh, kind of reconcile. And afterwards, you know, you, you write letters to people or you send, you know, I didn't send an actual paper letter cause no one does that, you know, <laughs> send long text messages or Facebook messages to people and, or, you know, just to tell them that I wanted to tell them how important they are in my life. And I really wanted to thank them for being my friend, yeah, you know, that is awesome. Kind of, kind of that fun hippie stuff. That's the sort of um, stuff that happens, though, right? But it's, it's healing. Yeah, that's, and that's what, that's, that's really my most of my experiences with ayahuasca. You know, some, some deep personal realizations, and then some very personal stuff that I don't talk about. Mm. But um, overwhelmingly, that's a, 
that's what it that's what awesome, it is man. for me. So I'm just uh, conscious of of, of uh, wrapping up just just in terms of the time commitments, but I just wanted to get clear, Justin, on what you feel. Uh, is helpful information that you've learned on your journey. When, when you meet people or if you were to mentor um, a kid who came to you at the age of 18 or whatever, what sort of life lessons would you, would you try and pass on? Okay. Here, here's a great one. I was just thinking about this. I was talking to someone, I think, yesterday. I think that um, being passionately curious is a, a very... Uh, it's a very useful skill for a traveler because when you are curious about, well, first of all, that's how you learn anything is being passionately curious. But when you're authentically curious about someone or a culture or a person, an individual that, that really opens people up to, to you in a way that makes travel so magical, you know, you know, all these opportunities come up because you end up, um, making some really great friends, you know, even with local people who barely speak the language, when you're genuinely curious and and like who they are and why do they think what they think? Um, it's really interesting for me. And I think that the side benefit is that the world is really open to you, Mm. uh, as a traveler. And that's a, that's a, that's a key kind of foundational travel, travel hack, I think. Curiosity. I love it. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. So just, uh, in terms of wrapping up, but if you were to Basically, give a bit of an explanation of how you think somebody could, uh, if they wanted to live more in nature, if they wanted to be more more wild oh. or embrace that kind of rewilding philosophy, mm. what what sort of steps could they take? Uh, well, a first, uh, an, an easy one, and I think a really profound one would be to find... Find, a, at the very least, find a place in nature that's near where you live that's pretty convenient to get to. It could be like a park or it could be the beach or something like that. But a place where you could be like alone and to – I did this all my teenage years. But every every day I would go and sit at this spot for an hour or two. And I think that there's some – if you do – if you like to meditate or do something like that, that's a great place to do it. But I really think that being in nature and paying attention, I think it does something – to people, that's really good, and I think that it, a lot of the benefits of meditation are, I think, maybe enhanced. But and start paying attention to um, the the you know the plants and the trees that you see all the time, and then you know maybe get a field guide to uh, to the tr- plants and trees, or or just Google, or you know now with the internet you could probably do that. We only had field guides back then, but and then just kind of have a reason, you know, like I want to, I want to see if there's any edible plants in my neighborhood. Mm. You know, that's a fun little project to do. And then you get, you know, you have to get the one that's bioregion specific to where you are. But, um, that's, that's a great step, you know, like go sit in nature, you know, be quiet, be still for 15, 20 minutes at least. And then, um, you know, start learning about the things that you see every day. You see the same birds every day, but they look like different birds to you because you don't know. That's right. And they, and they sound differently. You know your place. Dude, that's that's amazingly yeah, exactly. potent uh, information you're given there. Just just be still, be in nature, meditate, listen, be of nature. I find I find like it's interesting. People yeah. say, "Oh, I'm going to go back to nature," or "I've been in the wild," and we we our whole language, our whole culture creates this separation between that and what we we're, what we already are. It's like we are nature. Yeah. You know. So yeah. yeah. On the other hand, on the other hand, it can kill you. (laughs) It can bite you in the ass in a thousand different painful (laughs) ways. Sure can. 
Absolutely right. Yeah, we, yeah. I, was le- I was dealing with leeches the other day and I, was, and I was just trying to be comfortable with leeches. And, you uh-huh. know, it's still a bit of a mind fuck for me. You know, I, I see the leeches. They look so... They don't look nice. They look like some sort of alien thing and it's just sucking my blood. Totally. And I'm trying to just be cool <laughs> about it. Um, and it was a real <laughs> test of my mind, you know. <laughs> There's nice. some part of me that just wanted nice. to panic and wipe it off and squash it and all that sort of thing. But, uh, yeah... I'm, I'm, cool. I'm trying. That's a good point to reflect That's right, on. Brother. That's a good That's right. point to reflect on. Cool. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the show, Justin. Um, I'm gonna absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Thank you I'm for having me. I'm gonna put it out into the universe right now that at some stage in the future, Flow State and Justin are gonna be collaborating to do some amazing wilderness survival slash adventure meditation back to nature creation. Um, so you've heard it here first. I haven't even told Justin about it. <laughs> Sounds like a blast. <laughs> I'll go. Cool, man. All the best. <laughs> All right. Talk to you later. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed that chat with Justin Alexander and I'm sure you can agree he's one fascinating dude and I can't wait to start doing some collaborations uh, between him and Flow State. I can really envisage a uh, survival, outdoor survival wilderness adventure where we really get deep into meditation and living in flow and combine that with uh, self-sufficiency and skills out in the wild. Wouldn't that be awesome? So just uh, key takeaways from that conversation for me. First of all, this idea of living authentically, like really tuning into what is real within you. Like Justin knew at a very early age that going, finishing high school the traditional way just was not him. So he convinced his mother to enroll him at this outdoor survival school on the other side of the country um, in his teenage years. And that really set the, the tone for his whole life. Another thing that I really took note of was um, his influences like taking influence taking influence from mythological figures or characters from movies heroes basically of the past whether they're fictional or not I think is a fantastic idea and um, yeah it's something that I've always done in my life and Justin's idea of just thinking in times of decisions or crisis what would so-and-so do what would Hawkeye do in this situation and that's a fascinating way to, to live. And you can often get different answers when you ask questions like that. And I really liked how Justin talked about how the, the value of living in nature, the value if anybody wants to start living a life of, of freedom and flow, then really take yourself to nature and just listen. Just be quiet and listen. And you'll start noticing things that you didn't notice before. So on that note, guys, I'll leave it there. And I look forward to tuning in next time on the Flow State performance podcast take care bye thanks for listening to the flow state performance podcast check us out at www.flowstateperformance.com for more inspiration to unleash your potential